There was a little sign I saw in a garden that said, I tried, but it died. A humorous way of expressing horticultural failure. Gardening often leads to head scratching over what went wrong or even what went right. Have you ever wondered why some people have, as they say, a green thumb? And their unfortunate peers, the ones whose gardens could be filled with the I tried signs? From simply keeping houseplants to gardening on up to farming, with animals and perhaps insects thrown in the mix, there are many challenges and mysteries, ranging from how plants communicate with each other, to how they react to the human voice, to what is really killing so many honeybees. In horticulture, we know fairly well how the basics work. We can take A, add B, and get C in our equations, but a lot of times the individual factors and how they relate harbor many unknowns. In music, artists could stick a lot of the I tried signs out there too. While even the listeners who never picked up an instrument could probably tell you that you need elements like melody, rhythm, and harmony to begin making a song, not even the most accomplished musicians could tell you exactly why one song withered on the vine and another went on to yield an abundance of fruit. With music, there are many other mysteries as well, like harmonics hidden within a single tone, or how music can synchronize our bodily rhythms or even our thoughts. Trying to unravel the mysteries and conundrums of what horticulture or music have in store seems daunting to say the least. But even putting into practice the basics of A plus B equals C can take up an incredible amount of time and energy. You could keep weeding or mulching a garden almost indefinitely, just as you could keep re-recording or remixing a song in a studio until the cows come home. Relatively few artists have been able to master the elements of music in both a critically and commercially successful manner. Even fewer have taken on the equally formidable task of running a farm. In the case of our guest, he has done well enough with the former that he can afford the latter. It seems fitting that these two vocations, these two worlds, these two art forms filled with their challenges and joys and mysteries would come together in Daryl Scott. He is a beloved figure in Roots Music with over a dozen of his own albums and has collaborated with legends like Guy Clark, Amy Lou Harris, and Robert Plant, while his music has been covered by artists as diverse as Travis Tritt and Beyonce. The song you're hearing now is one example. It is the original version of Long Time Gone with Tim O'Brien, which was later covered by the Chicks, who were called the Dixie Chicks when they made it a big hit in 2002. I'm your host, Joe Kendrick. Welcome to Southern Songs and Stories. This is our episode on Daryl Scott. Southern Songs and Stories is part of the podcast lineup of both Public Radio WNCW and Osiris Media. Osiris creates music podcasts and events to help music fans deepen their connection to the music they love with all of their shows at OsirisPod.com. 
Osiris works in partnership with Jambase, which connects music fans to the music they love and empowers them to go see live music. Capsule versions of Southern Songs and Stories are produced for broadcast on WNCW by me, Corey Askew. More information about this and other podcasts from Grassroots Radio, WNCW at WNCW.org. I spoke with Daryl Scott in Greer, South Carolina on a beautiful spring afternoon in May at the Albano Skunk Music Festival, where he played with Bryn Davies on bass and Jeff Sipe on drums in what he dubs his electrifying trio. Known primarily as an acoustic guitarist, Daryl occasionally picks up his electric, which is something of an alter ego musically. In our conversation, he likened it to ice skating, and at his show that night, he skated through his set with an ease and grace that was matched only by his and his trio's passion and precision. It was simply transcendent, and a reminder of just how good an instrumentalist he is. We spoke about his love of electric guitar, some favorite collaborations from his decades-long career, life on his 500-plus acre farm near Cookville, Tennessee, making his two latest albums, his favorite cover of one of his signature songs, and much more. After getting started by comparing notes about festivals like Merlefest, where he had played solo sets just two weeks prior, and more intimate gatherings like Albino Skunk, I asked about how he takes care of his farm while he is away on tour. Here's Daryl Scott. I have a farm manager. Everything I do surrounding the farm is because I have a farm manager, including us cutting our own wood, that's because of him. Uh, Taking care of animals, that's him. And he's great. And that's how we can do this. So he's there, he's got housing, he lives there, uh, got married there, he and his wife live on the property. So that's how we're able to do it. Otherwise, you know, I know for years I couldn't even keep a cactus alive, uh-huh. being being a, a road musician. Um, <laughs> I couldn't keep anything. Yeah. Well, was um, it just him? Well, you know, just recently, and I mean in the last few weeks, we've hired a second person to help on the land. So, in fact, right now we have two. But for, a, for, for five, six years, it was sing, a single person. And it's 500 acres. Yeah, over 500 acres. But in terms of the farm part... It's, I'd say it's probably under 100 acres-ish in terms of the pastures and, and paths and this and that about it. We've never actually measured it to kind of find out, but it's something like that. Um, you know, uh, four pastures, but three really active ones. And we have animals and we grow more than organic, you know, vegetables and fruits and uh, raspberries will be coming in any, any minute now. Um, wild raspberries and on and on the whole season just goes that way it's so funny because the only thing that could take more time than studio work which is really infinite if you let it is farming because it's the same way yeah you need to stay with it (laughs) i mean honestly the generally farmers don't get a break you know uh even winter time is doing something to prepare for the next uh, season really and we we just got a high tunnel put in which means we can extend our seasons even further so we can grow greens continually through January February March we can start tomatoes early like April or something like that uh, peppers so yeah we're we're a real we're a real farm and we're a real land uh, and taking care of the land we're conservationists really on your tour now, are you playing a lot of songs from your two 2020 records? You know, I never have a set list, and, and so um, 
sometimes I even forget to play something from the new stuff because I'm just, I don't have a list in front of me about it. But yeah, I try to. I try to do stuff from uh, Daryl Scott Sings the Blues of Hank Williams. That was the one I put out in April of 2020 lockdown. And then Hiroso was one I put out in October of that same year. So that's what I did uh, other than having, you know, our studio built and being staying on the farm. Uh, put out two new records and um, and uh, uh, yeah, that kept us plenty busy uh, with with that lockdown stuff. And just one side note on Hiroso, you bought that, I guess, abandoned church. No, a friend of mine did. A friend of yours did. A friend of mine bought that because uh, it it turned into you know goats were in there. You know they they were just. Uh, it was just an abandoned area, and and uh, he bought it, cleaned it up, and, and restored it, and returned it back to a beautiful sort of adobe church uh-huh. on the, you know, on the desert uh, of southern Colorado, almost to New Mexico. It's it's a lovely spot. So we don't have Merle Haggard, and we don't have my dad anymore, but we have this song. There's a place. Where Mother Nature's got it all together She knows just when to let wildflowers bloom And somehow she seems to know Exactly what she's doing and the Lord saw fit to furnish elbow room. Have you ever been down to Colorado? I spend a lot of time there in my mind. That's Have You Ever Been Down to Colorado by Daryl Scott from one of two albums he released in 2020, the live collection titled Yaroso. Coming up, we talk about some of Daryl Scott's favorite experiences playing live in other bands and on other artists' records. But first, a sample of the other collection he gave us in 2020. Here is Daryl on electric guitar with his take on Hank Williams' I Heard That Lonesome Whistle. Whistle blow 
Well, can't get around all of the many, many projects that you've worked on. I mean, your solo works uh, stand uh, by themselves, but so many artists that you've either played with on their records or they've played with on your records. Mm -hmm. Do you have any favorite experiences from all of that work? You know, they kind of all are in many ways. I mean, there's some highlights. Uh, I enjoyed playing banjo in Steve Earle's Bluegrass Dukes. Um, and then at, toward the end of it, I started playing dobro too. Uh, just uh, and I liked that. Uh, I liked that loose kind of bluegrass approach, uh, as opposed to the really tight, tightly knitted bluegrass. I like the sort of uh, hippie side of bluegrass. Uh, but I also liked being the multi instrumentalist in the Robert Plant Band of Joy. Uh, playing pedal steel, fretless banjo here, there, but especially singing. Uh, most of the harmonies were with me and Patty, uh, harmonizing with Robert. And that was great as a singer, but as a player, um, I also loved switching leads with uh, Buddy Miller. We were the two kind of lead guys, if you will. If there was going to be a solo, it had to come from one of the two of us. And uh, and I also like the supportive role. I'm I'm uh, that th those. I enjoyed those two years. Of course, the Guy Clark records. I played on four Guy Clark records, uh, and in his touring band of sorts at times, um, did the live record Keepers with Guy and and the band. And those kind of those are kind of standouts for me. Of course, the Tim O'Brien years of uh, just me and Tim going out there as a duo, uh, and we have records, you know, uh, to prove it. You know, uh, with the uh, the Steve Earle stuff, we don't we did record some. Steve would do usually a track on every record back in the day, of the bluegrass thing, um, outside of the one he did with Dill McCurry and all. Um, so there's actually you know a little bit of evidence that this actually existed, uh, other than just live. So the so those would be the highlights. But you know, as a player, there were more than that. But those are the ones where I stuck around a little bit. You know, instead of it just being a player only and then you're done with the session and and that's the end of it. Uh, those those that I just mentioned. Also, this I started off in the Sam Bush band. Um, that's how I first got to Merlefest, 95, 6, 7, where, whenever that was. Um, I spent two seasons, uh, you know, in Sam's band with John Cowan. Um, so I've been lucky in that way, you know, all and at the same time all along doing my own solo stuff. So it's been a, a smorgasbord of, uh, of music. <laughs> Do you have a favorite version of You'll Never Leave Harlan Alive? Hmm. Uh, Patty Loveless stands out pretty good. Because uh, I just, you know, there's a lot of heart and soul in her version. And I, I played on that record of hers. I mean, her, that recording of that song. I think I played banjo 
And um, when I was doing the session, uh, Emery Gordy, uh, her husband and producer, was telling me that when uh, Patty was cutting her vocals, she wasn't quite getting it in terms of emotionally. He wasn't like buying the song from her. And he said he placed a picture of her father on the music stand for her. Um, and that kind of did it. <laughs> and, and so I hear that emotion in her, tr in her cut of it. Um, so to me, you know, when I hear that, and I've seen her do it, you know, on uh, Austin City Limits, and I've heard people tell about it when they were doing that uh, Down From The Mountain tour, uh, or at, at Merlefest where she just, you know, tear down the house with, you know, my song. And so those, those are the good fits. Those are the ones that where the emotion comes in and the theater of it, if you will, and it comes together and it just kind of knocks on people's consciousness. And um, so I think, yeah, the Patty version is the one uh, that I would take away with. No one ever knew there was coal in the mountains till a man from the northeast arrived waving hundred dollar bills said I'll pay you for your minerals but he never left Harlan alive Grandma sold out cheap and they moved out west of Conville to a farm where baby Richard River winds and I bet they danced them a jig and they left and sang a new song who said Mountain Soul, that is Patty Loveless, with her take on Daryl Scott's You'll Never Leave Harlan Alive. There are well over a dozen of his songs made into hits by other artists, many having been covered by more than one artist or band. But You'll Never Leave Harlan Alive has been the most popular pick, having been recorded by Montgomery Gentry, Brad Paisley, Kathy Matea, Murder by Death, Red Molly, Dave Alvin, and many others. The music business, although notorious for its track record of shady dealings with artists, does manage to reward some artists with a career that does not require working a day job. I asked Daryl about the business of making music and how important newer revenue sources like crowdfunding and streaming are to him and fellow artists. I think uh, folks are using them because we have to, you know, the, uh, the old ways of doing stuff uh, and, and, you know, may it be fine and dandy that it's all gone uh, the way it used to be. There were plenty of problems in whatever used to be as well, meaning labels and you have, you know what I mean, the old grandpa's version of a music business. Right now it feels like it's the Wild West of sorts. Uh, like anybody with a good idea and enough uh, chutzpah and possibly enough money or at least enough sort of uh, 
uh, attitude of wanting to get out there through the internet world. Hey, more power to any of us, anyone who cracks any kind of code whatsoever to try to make a living in this time. Because in essence, basically, terrestrial radio, you know, uh, I mean, I'm glad there's NCWs and all those good things. Of course, are you kidding? Uh, they're, they're, you know, dinosaurs like we are. You know, like we, the musicians who get in a truck camper and drive around the country bringing music to the folks. I mean, uh, but there's a lot of newfangled things going on out there. Um, I just feel it's kind of like the Wild West of sorts, uh, that anything could go. And, like, what else are we looking for? Is it to make a living? So if we're making a living and, and it means a Patreon or, a, you know, you get on a social every day while you're eating an apple or a banana tomorrow and, oh, look, today I'm eating a peanut butter sandwich or whatever, it, whatever seems to be the thing to keep people interested. Uh, it feels on the hypey side to me, honestly. Uh, and uh, I'm not sure how to navigate those waters. I'd love to be left to make music <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if I could do that <clears throat> and I have more music <clears throat> than I can even keep up with to tell you the truth so I'm really right now almost almost as we speak trying to find a new way to um, get music uh, well it's funny well I'll use the word to release music it almost sounds like a prison sentence so I was released from prison on such and such a date you know what I mean <laughs> And a better word um, I'm starting to find out might be share. I share this music on a particular date. Because there's so much energetically that goes into a release that, uh, and I know why we all do it, and we all position ourselves for, you know, ads and, you know, positionalities and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, it's music. And so I, I need to spend my time on music because I got more music than I can even put out. So I'm trying to find an easier way to put it out than the once every year or two years or that cycle thing they used to talk about of record cycles. Mm -hmm. I'd like to get past that and into just music flowing freely. You're in the enviable position of having written so many songs for so many artists and having mm -hmm. them had them done well. I'm sure that BMI, CSAC, ASCAP, have your mailing yeah. address yeah they do and that's that's actually how I li can live that in touring the farm uh, is not a profit <laughs> situation and any farmer out there hello I love you all yeah. we all know this you know we do it for lifestyle and love for doing the right thing and if, if you're on some land and it could grow something don't let it just sit there go ahead and make some food for folks um, but it's not a profitable thing um the way we and and then and i didn't finish my thought earlier where basically streaming you know pays musicians the something what is it point zero zero three eight nine yeah. you know so you know come on let's let's all understand that doesn't make a musician uh, help to uh you know to raise a family now radio spins don't pay a whole lot but it does add up it does add up that's i mean radio spins you know, that eight to nine cents, there's your comparable folks, eight to nine cents per terrestrial radio play and point zero zero three eight nine for sure. streaming pay. You did the math. <laughs> so what it means, folks, is that you, you don't make, I can't make a living in that. 
So we go out and play shows because we do get make a living for that. And that's, hey, you know, that's fair. You know, you bring the music to the folks like right in front of them and then look for the, the you know, the great stations. And we still have them like NCW, like DVX, you know, like KNBT in Texas. And, you know, there's still radio is alive and well out there. And, um, and thank goodness, you know, we're just a, kind of some dinosaurs, aren't we? Yeah. Between the radio and the artists, music artists. But and, young people are picking up on it. And, yeah. And they're picking up on, you know, your music and this style of music is just as vibrant and as relevant as ever. And I believe that and I know that. I mean, going to Merlefest last week or two weeks ago, whenever it was, I saw that. I, I see that this still is important to folks. So one of the things about the lockdown and the isolation, if you could call it that, uh, and not doing gigs, that, that was a kind of isolation, was uh, it made us think that, you know, uh, I'm exaggerating here, but like the world's coming to an end. That wasn't a uh, that wasn't like a ridiculous thought. Uh, if you were observing whatsoever, uh, it could f it did feel like that. Uh, a, a case in point, I put out two records in a year where I thought, "Is this done?" So I wanted to be accounted for. You see, uh, and uh, yeah, the music will go on. Period. So no matter take away all the money whatever money there ever was in airplay or in streamings, guess what? Musician folks and writers are going to still have something to say. We ain't doing it for the money. I mean, the money's great. I'm glad that, that I can make a living. I can even support a farm on it. Uh, and I can even record my next record on it. Uh, and that's the reasons I'm doing it. I want to keep playing forward on this stuff. What are your habits? What about your personal collection? You know, I still have my personal collection. I still have, you know, a couple thousand LPs. Um, I still have my couple thousand or more CDs. Something I recently got really kind of uh, enlarged was my 78s collection. I now have about 800 killer 78s from, you know, Roy Acuff to the Carter family to... Uh, Django Reinhardt to Caruso to um, early rockabilly. I, I've got a killer 78s collection and, and a, a nice table to, in order to hear it. But, and I do have all that, there's no question. But I also have, a, I, I, might, I have an Apple Music thing. And I gotta say, I started picking albums and you hit random if you've collected 800 or a thousand albums in Apple Music or any other of those streamings and then you hit random and it jumps around it, it's man I have the best radio station other than WNCW <laughs> because when I hit random man it goes everywhere like you guys really and um, and that's what I like I'm, I want to hear I want to be surprised by what's coming up next that you know as opposed to and so that's one of my listening habits is like, what in the hell will come out at next on my random? Yeah. And it's as freaky as what I put into it. And I put <laughs> in some freak for sure. And very diverse stuff, uh, including spoken word. You know, like uh, Dylan Thomas reading a poem or uh, that kind of thing, followed by Towns Van Zandt, followed by, you know, Indian classical music, followed by, you know, chanting, you know. Uh, and then um, Dawes, you know, so I, I've got a good little jukebox. 
What have you got coming up this year? A bunch of touring. Some of it, uh, like tonight, I'm playing with the uh, what we call the Electrifying Trio. And that's just been a fun project because it's uh, great players. Bryn Davies, who's showed up on a lot of my stuff. Uh, she played with Patty Griffin and Tony Rice and Peter Rowan and uh, all uh, Guy Clark Records and all that. She's well, you know, footed in just solid upright bass playing. She's a badass, is what she is. And um, and so she knows my stuff. And then I'm on electric guitar, because that's what's been fun about this electrifying trio, is I'm just strictly on electric. And so I get to, so we're in essence, we're a power trio. But the real ringer is uh, Jeff Seip on uh, drums. And Jeff comes from such a wide background and love of all kinds of musics. You know, he. You can tell in his playing, he has just respect and loves all music. So that kind of blend is what we do, basically based on my songs. So we electrify, and I'm an electric player at the end, you know, at the end of the day. Uh, I've spent many years being an acoustic guy too, and I don't see that much of a separation um, in it. But man, all those years of playing acoustic, which is a lot harder left hand, uh, makes it to where you feel like you're ice skating when you get a, oh. an electric in your hand. I bet. Where you can bend strings and just, you know, lot be loud and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, so that's been fun. So we've got uh, some gigs of that this year. And then we've got uh, the Bluegrass Band. Uh, I've got Matt Flinner. Chad Cobb, Bren Davies joins me in that. And that's kind of a, my bluegrass band, and better yet, it might be called a new grass, because that's really, my, my entrance to bluegrass is really new grass revival. With, you know, some exception, but that, they're the ones who turned me on, is new grass, and Sam and John and all that good stuff. Um, and then a lot of solo dates, and got a new record coming out with the bluegrass band called uh, Old Caneback Rocker, sort of like the and one that's what we're sitting in, in. Yeah, <laughs> on this porch. So that's coming out as soon as we can get it out, meaning it just got mastered last, well, this week. And uh, so it's ready to go. We're getting artwork together for it as, as we speak. So that's going to be one, uh, you know, to look out for because I think it's a perfectly NCW project. Um, and it's, you know, string band style music. Bluegrass, Newgrass, Americana, singer-songwriter, the regular freak stuff that I do. Yeah, I think we're going <laughs> to love it. No doubt, no doubt. Daryl Scott, thanks for being on Southern Songs and Stories. Anything you'd like to add? No, man. I'm uh, Be on the lookout for me finding a new way to put out music that's not so hand-tying. It feels, you know, I need a, a freer way to have music come out. Um, I'm many, many albums like ready to go like right now uh, and and I can't so be on the lookout for whatever we try to figure out about that and anyone who has any ideas get a hold of us we're wide open Daryl Scott thank you so much thank you man that's our show thanks for listening we are leaving you with another of Daryl Scott's signature songs River Take Me this version from his Live at the Station Inn album from 2018 where he was playing with Matt Flinner on mandolin, Bryn Davies on bass, and Shad Cobb on fiddle. 
As you heard him say, feel free to contact Daryl Scott with any ideas you have about how he can free up all his unreleased new music. You can sign up for his newsletter, check out his Patreon, and more on his website at darrellscott.com. That's D-A-R-R-E-L-L-S-C-O-T-T.com. And there are four of Daryl's live performance and interview sessions over the years, including his most recent session where he played with fiddler Casey Dreesen on the WNCW Studio B YouTube channel. While you're online, why not follow Southern Songs and Stories on your favorite podcast platform? And once you're there, take a moment and give us a top rating and, if possible, a review. Giving us a top rating is super easy, and ratings and reviews go a long way towards bumping us up in the rankings, which puts this series and the artists we profile in front of more music fans like you. Southern Songs and Stories is a part of the podcast lineup of Osiris Media, with all the Osiris shows available at OsirisPod.com. You can also hear new episodes of this podcast on Bluegrass Planet Radio at BluegrassPlanetRadio.com. Thanks to Corey Askew for producing the radio adaptations of this series heard on Public Radio WNCW, and to our former intern, Joshua Ming, who wrote and performed our theme songs. I'm your host and producer, Joe Kendrick, and this is Southern Songs and Stories, the music of the South and the artists who make it. Riveting me, far from troubled times. Riveting me, 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 far from troubled
Thank you for being here. Good night. I had a friend who was kind of aging and he, he had been collecting 78s his entire life from Texas and, and he's been a music nut since 1962. If you want to hear a crazy story, he packed them and he had bought Guy Clark's 1979 Scout II, which is an orange, you know, international harvester, four-wheel, jeepy looking thing. And I remember when I met Guy, that's how I met Guy. He was in his orange um, Scout. And when I pulled up to the driveway, there was the orange Scout sitting in the um, driveway. Anyway, the, sh the, the short story of it is he sold me Guy's Scout like that afternoon. And then he packed 500 uh, of the, of the uh, 78s inside the Scout and some instruments I'd bought from him and stuff, and then put it on a transport truck to be sent from Phoenix to my farm. So the Scout, Guy Clark Scout, is, is rolling around on my farm. Um, and those, those 78s came out of the, he made a false floor, and uh, they were well packed in there. And uh, now I've got the 78s and the Scout. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Uh, that's, that's just a happy ending all around. Yeah, yeah.